Today, first, we celebrate the third Sunday of Advent, or as I usually refer to it, the one with the pink candle. Uh, traditionally, this Sunday is known as Gaudete, uh, or Rejoice Sunday, hence uh, lighting the candle of joy. It's a Latin word from which we get the word gaudy today, actually. Um, Advent and Lent both are uh, sort of austere seasons in the church, very reflective, meditative, uh, preparatory seasons. And over time, the church has built sort of a respite day into each of these seasons. Um, in Lent, the respite is known as uh, latere, which is a, another word for, for joy or rejoice. Uh, but typically, on Gaudete Sunday, we first meet Mary, and we hear her song, the Magnificat, in which she sings that her soul magnifies the Lord. Mary, after learning of her role in God's plan of redemption, travels to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who is the mother of, of John the Baptist and is expecting uh, at the same time. Her song, Mary's song, comes just after Elizabeth praises Mary for her role uh, and praises her for a role as what the early church called Theotokos, or in English, the bearer of God. I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the first chapter of Luke's gospel, beginning with the 46th verse. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. So we're, we're almost at the end of the year, but we're still in the year where we're celebrating the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, so I thought it wouldn't hurt to look back to and take our story back to the time of the Reformation. So during the Protestant Reformation, there were a number of problems the Reformers had with the way the church was doing things. And one of the problems, not as major as some of the others, but one of the problems they had was the church's understanding of the role of Mary. They believed that praying to Mary or revering her as they did was blasphemy. Because though she's in a very important character in the story of God's redemption in Christ, she herself was not God. So, 500 years later, we Protestants still have a sort of complicated, arm's-length relationship with the mother of Jesus. But this Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent, is the one day in the year in which we get to give Mary her due admiration for her faith, for her uh, confidence for her hope as we listen to her song. Every year at Christmas, we sing carols about Mary's good nature, that she was meek and mild, gentle and faithful, uh, about Mary singing a pretty song of praise to her God. We, our imagination is that she was passive in all of this, possibly even a little naive. All of these descriptors of Mary's character that we have in the Christian imagination today seem to forget the boldness of her song that we just read. Even when, uh, 
wonderful musicians and composers over the centuries have put her song to music, it's oftentimes pretty and lyrical. But when you stop and read her words, her praise, you know that her song is anything but meek and mild. Mary's song is bold. It's redemptive. And it's hopeful, but it's hopeful in a way that gives hope a new definition altogether. Mary's song is predicated on a trip to visit Elizabeth, who is also pregnant. This is an important detail for a couple of reasons. Just before our text, we learn that Elizabeth is kin to Mary. This is important in that in uh, her culture, family was your only means of support and validation. For Elizabeth to not only validate, but praise Mary and called her, call her blessed was itself a blessing, given the circumstances. We hear that John leaps in Elizabeth's womb when Mary arrives, showing John's prophetic purpose even in utero. Second, and for our purpose today, even more important, is that Elizabeth was married to Zechariah, who was a temple priest, a religious official of the day. Her song of praise, but also of the redemption of the world, was given in the presence of a religious authority, telling him, and by extension, all of authority, that the world as they knew it was about to be turned upside down. So Mary receives this familial blessing, and she's immediately drawn into song. Her words are beautiful and poetic. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. In her song, Mary is praising God, but she's also proclaiming God's reign on earth. This isn't meek and mild. It's bold. Her song exudes confidence. It's revolutionary. At the time, being under Roman oppression, they likely would have seen such words from a young Jewish peasant woman as seditious. Her song is anything but sweet and mild. It's flipping the current world upside down, flipping it on its head. Through the birth of this child, the world will be turned upside down and flipped inside out. The oppressive conditions in this world humans have created will soon be reversed and overturned. The proud and the powerful will be scattered and brought down. The fearful and the lowly will be lifted up. The hungry will be filled. The rich will be sent away. This is the reality of what God's reign looks like. And Mary herself embodies this reversal. A young, currently unmarried Jewish peasant woman was virtually without any power or status in her day. Yet she is the person God charges with the task of both bringing God's Son into the world and proclaiming God's reign. Mary reminds us, that God calls us to participate in God's own plan of redemption in this world. As one commentator has noted, Mary's song isn't a sweet and innocent song of praise. No, it's a radical manifesto, proclaiming God's redemption and reign in Christ. If this song doesn't make us even a little bit nervous, perhaps we're not paying enough attention. If you look at Mary's song, you might have noticed something that I did and and others have over the years. She talks about a lot of actions of God. She uses a lot of verbs, but all of these verbs she uses are past tense. God has shown strength with his arm. God has exalted the lowly. God has sent away the rich empty. 
This seems odd in that Jesus isn't even born yet. So these things haven't happened. It turns out that this is a a very special uh, past tense verb in Greek, and it has a couple of different possible understandings. Each, I think, is important in how we understand Mary. The first is that this form recalls a timeless action, or in other words, as God has done, God will continue to do through the Christ child. This makes sense in that Mary's song is largely a remake, or a remix, rather, of Hannah's song in the Old Testament, when she learns of her pregnancy with the judge Samuel. But the other way of understanding these verbs, and my favorite, is known as the dramatic tense. Mary dramatically proclaims these things as if they've already happened. Mary proclaims a hope that truly gives hope a new definition. And this understanding of hope is what helped develop what we know today as Christian hope. Proclaiming God's redemption and reign as if it has already happened and is here now among us. You know, in this day and age, we like to joke in the church about how Christmas starts way too early, how stores have decorations for sale on their shelves in September. But here today in church, we see Mary in her song where she talks about all these wonderful things her unborn son has done, that God has done through Jesus, fully indicating to us that she's probably one of those folks out there getting Christmas lights in September celebrating the season way too early, telling everyone that God's reign, God's redemption is here. She gives us a little bit of permission to to skip ahead to Christmas, I think. And I think that's a beautiful thing, which is why we're singing a couple of Christmas carols at the end of the service. And that's because of Mary's bold hope that she proclaims, proclaiming God's reign and redemption as if it were already here today among us. There's a contemporary Christmas song entitled, Mary, Did You Know? It was written about 20 years ago. It's a beautiful song, and it has become very popular in recent years as some big-name singers and groups have done their own versions of the song. Now, the song is composed almost entirely of hypothetical questions, and questions to the new mother Mary about the child in her arms and the amazing things the baby Jesus will grow up to do one day in his life. Here are some of the, the questions. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day walk on water? Or that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Or that your baby boy has come to make you new? Or finally, that this child you've delivered will soon deliver you? Well, this is a beautiful song, and I think quite creative in its reflection. It seems to me that the songwriter has overlooked or possibly even forgotten Mary's own song. Of course Mary knew. Her song proclaims and predicts Jesus' ministry of exalting the lowly and casting down the mighty. Of course she knew that her son will deliver her and all of creation. She basically tells us as much here in her own song. Trust me, I'm not trying to ruin this song for you, especially if it's one of your favorites. I still like the song myself, and to be honest, I've had it in my head most of the week while preparing the sermon. But next time you listen to it, don't forget that we, knew the, we know the answers to these questions. And more importantly, that Mary knew. She knew what God was up to. She knew that God had called her to play the role of God-bearer, 
to bring and birth God's own word, God's own logos into the world as flesh and blood dwelling among us. In fact, Mary knew so well that she proclaims these things as if they've already happened. Mary's bold song of praise and redemption beckons us to join her in song, to share God's redemption of our broken world through Christ. Mary's unprecedented hope allows us to hope as we await the coming of our Lord, for God to show up and turn the darkness and brokenness of our world upside down. It allows us to live into the reality of God's reign proclaimed and shared in this powerful song. So friends, as we make this final turn toward Bethlehem and the manger, may we remember Mary's bold confidence and hope in God's redemption of this world through Christ. May her confidence embolden us to join her in song, seeking out the places in our world we long for God to show up and turn upside down. And may we share this hope and this confidence with the world around us. That, friends, the world as we know it is about to turn. Amen.